The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. You know, you know the song, it's the most wonderful time, right, of the year, right? How many of you guys like the song? How many of you guys right now would say, I agree with the song. It is the most wonderful time of the year. How many, how many hands? Like, oh, yeah. How many guys are really like, mm, not so much right now? Any, anybody willing enough to? Okay, I know some of you just aren't raising your hands, okay? But, okay, but you don't want to be a Scrooge, so I get it. So no, you know, no, no fault for not participating in that part, right? Um, here's the thing. I love Christmas. It is a fantastic time. It is It is. Like, it's a celebration of Jesus coming to, I mean, it's just so good and so rich. And the, the themes of the holiday are just like cheer and joy, and it's wonderful. But the reality is, like, sometimes it doesn't feel all cheerful and joyous, right? Sometimes life doesn't feel like a Hallmark movie, right? Like, like it's supposed to. And any, any, how many... Anybody watch some Hallmark movies this year already? All right. Anybody more than 10? You got more than 10 of them under your, okay. Okay. We got some serious Hallmarkers. Okay. I mean, it's, it is the, the 19th. How many, any got, anybody got more than 19? I mean, that's when you really know you're a true. Okay. There's some, there's some. I see those hands. My wife is glad she already walked out. So she want to get called out. All right. Uh, now, and here's the thing. Sometimes life doesn't feel quite like that. You know, there's sometimes that this time of year actually can be a hard time because maybe there's been a, a, a loss and this time reminds you of that loss. Um, maybe it can just be like for you, it's like, this isn't Christmas. This is year end time. Like that's all that's on my mind. It's work and it's, it's all the work to close out the year and get ready for the next. And it, it, it just busyness is, is this time of year. Some, some it's unmet expectations. It's, it's, uh, it's, man, I, I remember how life used to be in this season, and now I'm in a new season of life, and it used to be noise and kids, and now it's a whole bunch of adults who aren't coming to visit me anymore, or whatever. Like, it's not what it used to be, and I can't, there's ex- expectations, and it's not matching up. Sometimes it's just, it's just the pressure to be joyful all the time. Anybody feel that and get stressed out by the, like, I don't want to be jolly today, right? The reality is, I mean, we were saying about the the joy of the Lord is my strength, and we know it's true, and it's a wonderful time of year, but but sometimes you just feel kind of the pressure of it. You know, I I shared this with with, with those who were serving this morning. Just turned to Beth yesterday and said, you know what? I'm starting to feel the pace of things right now, right? Anybody else starting to feel the pace of things? And you know what I find is that it's really hard to experience the fullness of joy that God wants to offer when all I can feel is the pace of life that's moving a little too fast. Anybody else connect with that? Um, And so I want to talk about, right? I want to talk about this idea of joy. I'm not going to preach joy to the world, but I want to I look at joy in, in, in God's word. What is joy really all about? I, I'm curious. I want to see, again, I, I like some participation here. How many have heard joy explained in this way, in some capacity? Uh, joy compared to happiness. What's the difference, right? Joy and happiness. Happiness is, 
is um, good feelings based on my circumstances or the situation of life right now. Things that are positive in life are going to make me happy. So, so happiness is, is conditional. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy, on the other hand, joy is, is, is similar in the way that it feels, but, but it's not tied to my circumstances and it's not tied to my conditions. How many people have heard that some kind of form of that definition before, okay? Yeah, yeah, me too. Probably because I've, I've probably preached that before. All right. And, and, and I would say it's, it's, it, 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 it at least begins to scratch the surface. But I, in my study on, on this topic of joy, I actually started to question that definition. I'm starting to wonder if joy is more conditional and circumstantial than I originally thought. So we're going to explore that a little bit today. Um, but first, I do want to, right? We're in the middle of our, our Song of Christmas series. So I do want to, I want to take a look at this, the song, Joy to the World. It is a good one, isn't it? You know, and I'll be, I'll be real honest, um, about a month ago or so when we started putting this series together and, and, and who's, who's taken which one, and, and I just knew then at that time, I was like, you know what we need right now? You know what, we, we just need joy. I'm picking joy to the world. Before I really thought through any of the lyrics, before I thought through, I'm like, I just want this theme joy. Because, I, man, I think, when I think of Christians who are living the Christian life well, every single one of them has so much joy. Would anybody else agree? Do you know any, anybody that you, like, aspire to be like in your Christian life who, like, are just flat out a Scrooge? Anybody? Anybody, like, really modeling any Scrooge-like Christians? No. There is something about the Christian life, when lived well, produces something that wells up in a person that makes them joyful. Am, am I right? Sometimes when you're not in a good place, it's the most annoying thing possible. Like, let's just call it like it is, right? Anybody been annoyed by the joy of the Lord in somebody else when I'm going through a bummer time? Anybody? Right? I have, you're like, dang, man, I quit being so happy. I just want to be a bummer for a little while. But there's something about that joy in somebody who's close to Jesus. Let's look, at, let's look at this song, right? So I picked this song simply because of the theme, and, and, and I started to see some really cool things in it. Uh, written in 1719 by Isaac Watts, published a few decades later. Um, this guy was, was a brilliant guy, scholar and a pastor. Um, and there's some stuff in the song that I've never slowed down and paid attention to. Um, and what, what we see in here is a whole bunch of reasons for our joy. A lot of reasons for joy. I, I want to point out a few of them that, that, that stood out to me uh, right off the bat. Right there in verse 1. Joy to the world. The very first line. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven 
and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Reasons for our joy. Here's the first reason for our joy. Is that Jesus came to rescue us. He really did. You know, and I know we do this a lot, but like this Christmas season, it's so easy to see the baby and miss the God, right? Because it, 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 it confounds us. We don't grasp. I don't understand how God, I can see like God as a, as like a 30-year-old. Although, let's be honest, some of you, some of you have a real hard time seeing God, wait, God would be a millennial right now? All right, um, Some of you just feel old now and you realize Jesus is only 30 years old, huh? Uh, it's a, Jesus is, okay, God and that guy, I can see it. God and a baby. And that's what the holiday is about. It's hard to see. But the reality is, like, you and I were a mess on our own. And so Selfish. so selfish. And selfishness doesn't seem like that big of a crime, um, except for the fact that you realize that every major crime is probably going to come back to the fact that someone somewhere was selfish. And yours and mine maybe haven't gone to that degree, or maybe it has. Did this, this baby come to earth was my rescuer, is a hard reality to grasp. But the truth is, God came to save me from me. (laughs) And I love the way that he saved me and rescued me from my selfishness, from my pride, from my arrogance, is that God said, hey, I'm I'm gonna send the most precious thing the world has ever seen into a stable. <laughs> just to remind you, the next time you're feeling pretty good about yourself, this time, the next time you think uh, that you deserve to be sitting at table number one, right? This time, next time you think you are something, the one who rescued us from sin, from hell, from myself, was God sent to nothing and nowhere. Joy to the world. First line, the Lord has come. Like he showed up for you. (laughs) Because he knew how messed up you were. (laughs) And said, you're worth saving. The Lord has come. You know what that tells me? And this one's weird because I'm like, the main thing I think he saved me from, he saved me from hell and he saved me from my sins, but he saved me from my self-righteousness. He saved me from my pride. He saved me from my arrogance. He saved me from thinking that I could live my life without him. He showed up to show me otherwise. But in the middle of that, and this is where it gets weird, he tells me that I have value. 
See, the Lord came. Jesus came. We, we see this in the song. We see it throughout Scripture. He came to rescue us, and in doing so, he's like, you're worth this much to me. Let me just ask any of the parents in the room. Would you send your firstborn child to be born in those conditions for somebody who hates you? Forget the, the dying on the cross thing. I'm not going to do that. But would you even send your baby to be born in those conditions for someone who hates you? Just to say, you know what? This is how much you make. Man, that just... And forget the stable. <laughs> even if you go like to the next step. Forget the stable. Forget the animals. Forget the barn. Forget the, everything that goes in a stable and a barn. Forget all that stuff. Like, God, this eternal being, was made human. How degrading is that? Like, I know humans, right? Like, how degrading is that? Like, the God who reigns supreme, who is who's one moment in heaven, and the next moment, the, a baby in a womb. We're messed up, and he came to the messed up to save the messed up to show us that we have value that doesn't come from ourselves, but that comes from him. Why do we have joy? <laughs> because the Lord has come. Number two, why, the next reason. We, we see this in, in uh, what verse is this? The last verse. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. So the first reason we have joy is because the Lord has come. The second reason we have joy is because of the wonders of his love. So he came to rescue me. He says, I have value. And then this verse that Paul writes when he's writing this letter to the Romans, he says, and this is just a crazy reminder that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And he didn't just die for us to rescue us and say, okay, now you're not saved anymore. He, he does this. He invites us into his family. <laughs> are there people in your life, let's just be honest, right? Are there people in your life that you're like, yeah, they're great. Um, would you invite them over for Christmas dinner? Oh, uh, I'm really feeling selfless right now. It is the Christmas season, so I'll invite them over to a Christmas dinner. Okay, would you let them live in your home for the rest of eternity? Oh, wait. Some of you, you got in-laws, you got family coming over. You're like, hey, it is so fun the day everybody shows up, and it is so great the day everybody leaves, right? Anybody? Anybody, right? Right? Like, I love when everybody shows up, but you know what? Hey, like, I love when I have a quiet house again, all right? But God didn't love us like that. Imagine if, 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 if God said, hey, Sean, man, you're the best. Why don't you come visit me for a week at Christmas time? We'll have a good time, but at the end of the week, you need to go home. See, one of the things that I love about this is this, this, this picture of adoption that we see throughout Scripture. Over and over and over. See, God loved us. God so loved us that he said, I want to call you son. I want to call you daughter. The nations declare the wonders 
of his love. Friends, I'm going to spend the rest of my life exploring the wonders of his love, and I can promise you I'm not even going to scratch the surface. Paul says it this way, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. Height or depth or angels nor demons nor principalities nor the past, present, and future. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Guys, that's, I don't know about you, that's a good reason for joy. Reason for joy number three. So we got the, the Lord has come. We've got the wonders of his love. How about this in, in verse three? Um, if I were to be, if I, if I were a verse of a Christmas carol, it would never be verse three. Why do we never sing verse three of Christmas carols? I don't, or hymns. I don't, one, two, four, every time. I don't, I don't get it. Um, verse three. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. I, I love that. He come, came to make the blessings flow far as the curse is found. I, I love even the far as the curse is found part. Because anybody ever experienced the curse as they're going through life? You know what I'm talking about? Hard work broken relationships, nothing quite working right, always one piece short when you're putting together the dollhouse, like, right? Like it's the curse. Like, and, and he says he comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. There's a, the verse in that, that, that Peter talks about. Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, I love it. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. You ever, you ever feel lack in life? I do. I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like I don't quite have everything I need. I feel, even in my spiritual life, like, man, if I could just, if I, if I just could, could, could pray a little bit, if I was just a little bit more like that person over there, if I was a little bit more like Pastor Jim, um, if, if, I could, if I was a little bit more like, like Sandy, if I could just, man, if I just had her, if I was a little bit more, have you ever find yourself just comparing yourself to the best qualities of, 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 of everybody else around you? It, it's crazy how we do it. We compare our weaknesses with somebody else's strength, and then we wonder why we feel disappointed about it. Stop it. Like, for real, stop it. Instead, let's do this. Let's claim the truth of Scripture. Am I perfect? No. Do I have room for growth? Absolutely. But do I have absolutely everything that I need in order to live the life of godliness that God has set before me? Absolutely. It's the promise of Scripture. God has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. We can, it says, um, he makes his blessings flow. Now it's easy this time of year to think about those less fortunate. And what is it? It often causes, it often causes some gratitude to come up. And that's, that's good. It should. It should. Um, but joy does not come from the misfortunes of others that causes me to be grateful for what I have. 
that's actually, I mean, I hope it motivates you to action and gratitude and all that kind of stuff, but it's kind of sick, actually, a little bit. If that's the, like the source of our joy is that you have, that I have more than you, that's odd, right? And what we see instead is not that we look at everybody else and I have joy because I've got more than so-and-so or I'm going to be bummed out because I don't have quite what the other guy has. But rather my joy comes from, from the fact that it has nothing to do with what I own. But rather that what we find here, I have everything that I need. I have everything that I need. I, I love what, what, what Paul says uh, to the Philippians. Um, when he says, I've learned the secret to be content with a lot or with little. See, see, joy doesn't flow from what I possess, but it flows from what God has given. Right? So, uh, reasons for joy. The Lord has come. He came to rescue me. <laughs> I'm, reason for joy. The wonders of his love. I'm so dearly loved because his blessings flow and they, they never, never stop. And here's, here's something that is a, a connection that I had never seen before. As many times as I've seen sung joy to the world, I've never quite put this connection together. But I have joy because the Savior reigns. I, I want to read you some of, the, this, like, some of the lyrics from this song. Um, it's the whole song. It's three out of four verses. Joy to the world. Why? The Lord Lord is not just another term of God. You know that, right? Lord is an actual uh, term of position, of authority. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her what? King. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. He rules the world. You know, here's something I never really considered before, is that there is an association that... that uh, Isaac Watts makes in the song here between the joy that we have in God and the authority of his that we recognize. There is joy that comes from submitting to and coming under the protection and the authority of a God who is sovereign and rules the world. Friends, I honestly believe there's sometimes in my life where I miss out on the joy of God because I want too much control. And I think control is going to lead me to joy because if I've got the control and I can, and I can manipulate, I can make things happen, but you know what? It never works out that way. Joy flows, and, and, and Isaac Watts understood this, joy flows out of the recognition of God's rule and reign and sovereignty and kingship over the earth and over my life. You want a taste of the joy of the Lord? Learn to come under his authority. And for a people who love independence, just like, honestly, this one can be hard for us because we really like control. But here's, here's Watts saying, joy to the world, he's king. Joy to the earth, he reigns. He rules the world. Friends, God's in control. And that tends to be one of two things and somehow, sometimes kind of both. One, terrifying. 
right? To really come to a place, to come to a, a spot where you say, I really don't have control. To come to a place where, where I say, not only do I recognize that I don't have it, sometimes they're like, I don't really have control, but I still can't let go. I've been there. <laughs> God, I trust you that you're in control 100%. And he said, well, don't let go. Well, 99%. Some of us who are still holding on to things, we know what God's word says, and yet we're too afraid to just let go and fall and find out if he catches us. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, he will. Some of, I mean, and it happens in all sorts of different ways. Political things, and we, when, 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 when news stresses us out, the only, the only way that news can produce fear and anxiety and stress and anger is if we don't trust the one who's in control of the news cycle. The only way that, that, that our job and our career and, and, and our, our work can, can, can cause anxiety and fear and anger and depression and bitterness and loneliness to creep up in us is when we stop believing that God is in control of my occupation and my future and my finances and my purpose and my fulfillment. See, when we allow uh, even tension in some relationships to, to, to cause us to, 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 to all those things that we talked about to rise up, it's because we're not trusting. Do we trust? Is he king of everything or not? Is he ruler of it all or is he not? It is terrifying, but the other emotion that it is so freeing. I mean, it's hard and it's scary to let go and trust God. It's hard and it's scary to, to give him full control of every aspect of our life. But the moment we can begin to, to, to rest in, in, in the confidence that God's got it. I'm not talking about being irresponsible and just like stop showing up to work because God's going to pay my bills, right? I'm not talking about that. But the freedom to know that I'm going to give God my best, but it's not on me. He's my provider. He's the one that I find my purpose from. He's the one that I find my value in. His love and being a son of God, being a daughter of God and, and, and trusting his love for me, trusting his care for me. Friends, there's nothing more freeing. There's nothing that causes more joy than letting go of control. So let me come back to this original question that I was asked that we were wrestling with. Is joy conditional? Is it situational, right? If happiness is conditional and happiness is situational and, and, and it's really easy and it kind of sort of makes sense to say that like, no, no, joy is, is, uh, is not conditional. It's just this always thing. Um, but here's the deal. Sometimes sad things happen. Sometimes loss happens. Sometimes setbacks happen. And so therefore, we can't say that joy is tied to our circumstances because how can I be sad and joyful? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So it has to be. 
Joy has to be um, unconditional. It has to be not circumstantial. Circumstantial. And that's true from an earthly or a temporal perspective. However, have you ever stopped? If you stop long enough, for those who've accepted Christ, we've asked Christ into our life and we've given ourselves fully to him. Like if you stop long enough to consider what's my spiritual condition right now, joy is the only thing that makes sense. Friends, I'm, I'm going to argue that joy is very, very conditional. L- l- listen to what, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love this verse. He says, we do not lose heart. This outwardly, we're wasting away. Some of us can, can identify with that at times, right? Outwardly, we're wasting away. We're inwardly, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Listen, regardless of the circumstances that you're facing, like you can wake up new tomorrow. That's what he says. Though outwardly we're wasting away, though outwardly the conditions are not good, though outwardly our circumstances are, are, are tough, he says, but we are being renewed day by day. And he goes on, he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Outweighs what? Outweighs our setbacks. Outweighs our troubles. And I, and I know, I know, I know. You go, well, my, my, my troubles aren't light and momentary. But have you considered what Paul was referring to? I mean, I'm not, I don't want to minimize pain. Because friends, sometimes life hurts. Sometimes we suffer losses and setbacks that that we got to process. Those things hurt. But I just want to put some things in perspective here for us for a moment. When Paul says light and momentary troubles, he had multiple attempts on his life, like literally people trying to murder him. He was beaten and tortured and left for dead multiple times. The church that he gave his life to serve on multiple occasions, he was betrayed, he was stabbed in the back, he was thrown in prison for doing the very thing that God had called him to do. At times, everyone deserted him, even his closest friends. And so when Paul is writing this, these are the light and momentary troubles he's talking about. For these light and momentary. Listen, you could live a hundred years on earth and every day be torture. And Paul would say, for these light and momentary troubles. Why? Because he could see, he lived with his eyes on eternity. It goes on to say, these light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Listen, what, he, what, he's, what he's drawing to right here, what, he, what, he's, what he's saying right here is this, is that there are realities that we don't see that are reasons for our joy. I believe joy is very conditional because outside of Christ, outside of God, there is no hope. There is no joy. So it makes sense that somebody that does not have a relationship with Jesus wouldn't have joy. They'd have happiness if the circumstances were right. 
And happiness, if they just could find a way to will it into existence as much as they could. But joy comes from God. But it, it's not just this thing that he just like supernaturally just like, oh, listen, I don't get joy because I, I prescribe I, or, or I ascribe, I, I proclaim Christianity. I don't have joy because I say, I believe the Bible. Therefore, God just like waves a magic wand and poof, joy all the time. I have joy that grows when I'm in the presence of God. You want to experience more joy this Christmas season? You want to experience joy, not just this Christmas season, this new year. You want to experience, there's a new year's resolution. I want to grow in joy. And it doesn't happen from just like gritting your teeth and declaring, I will be joyful. Praise God. No, joy is, is cultivated in the presence of God. And here's why. Paul says it this way, is that we're not conformed to the pattern of this world, but rather we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Part of this renewing of our mind is getting our minds fixed on eternal realities. Joy is not conditional because here's, here's my spiritual condition. It's like the song said, I was a mess. I was selfish, I was, I was prideful, I was arrogant. I thought I, could, I, I didn't need God. We're born into this, this world of sin, separated from him from the very beginning, absolutely 100% incapable of saving myself, incapable of even seeing my need for God. And so God showed up for me when I couldn't do it on my own, when, when, when no earthly conditions could open the eyes of my heart to see who he was, he showed up for me and he called me. And he said, I love you, you are my son. And nothing can change that. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. It doesn't matter your successes or your failures. None of that matters because you are mine. And there is, there is hope in life and relationship with me. And then daily he draws me and he calls me into his presence. And daily he invites me to get to know him better. And this is what he says too. It's like right now this is hard and I'm drawing you close to me. But one day you and I will see each other face to face. And in that moment, the, there's just a fullness of his presence and I get to hold on to the promise that I get to see my spiritual father face to face, my heavenly father face to face one day and all the pain and all the, the heartache is gonna be gone. So yeah, my joy is conditional, but I've got, what, what condition is going to trump that? So I'll face loss but I have joy, not because I'm just a spiritual guy and I can just get through it. I can have joy when the eyes of my heart are fixed on realities that are more substantial than earthly realities. This is, not, this is not to undermine your hurt. This is not to undermine or dismiss your pain. God sees it and the, the things that have hurt you break his heart. But today I wanna to remind you that there are realities bigger than your losses. There are joys greater than our setbacks. And we have a God full 
of promises. And he says, for this reason, we can rejoice. So I've got a new definition, distinction between happiness and joy. They're both conditional. See, happiness is conditional. Happiness stems from my earthly conditions. But joy, it grows from understanding my heavenly condition. So friends, whether you're like living on cloud nine right now, just enjoying the holiday, or you're kind of struggling because there's just some things that that are coming up. Can I just remind you? Can I remind you of who you are and whose you are? It's not even just about one day, but it's about the love of God for today. Friends, It's a good day to celebrate the goodness of God, isn't it? Father, we praise you for your word that is chock full of promises. God, you, you, one of those is that, Lord, you, you told us we're going to have hard days. You told us we're going to suffer a loss. You told us we're going to have a hard time. But he said, but you then said, be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. God, give us that cheer that you talked about. God, give us that joy that you talked about. As we set our heart on you, as we set our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Father, could we just, could we just have a moment with you? Would you just let us know you're here right now? And Father, when life gets busy, would you, would, you, would you help us grow in just the discipline of slowing down and looking at you? When relational stresses rise, will you, will you give us the, the grace to be able to step back long enough to just see your face? God, today we are so full of joy for what you've done in our hearts and in our lives. There's nothing this world can throw at us that could rob us from who you are and what you've done. We're so grateful, God. We are overwhelmed with gratitude and joy. God, it's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.